Episode 190 is here, everybody, with a man who is extremely inspirational. One of the most inspirational people I've brought on the podcast to date. A man who was born 20 years ago with a rare form of muscular dystrophy called Duchenne. It's a fatal muscle-wasting disease that also affected two of his siblings, and it's a disease that kills most people by the age of 25. Elijah Stacy came on to share his incredible story, his incredible outlook on life, and his hope for the future. With that said, please welcome the one and only Elijah Stacy. The Optimal Life. All right, Elijah, how are you today? I'm doing pretty good. So, talk to us. You have a muscular dystrophy disease. What exactly is it called? Yeah, so I have Duchenne muscular dystrophy, and basically what Duchenne is, is it's a muscle-wasting disease that eats away a person's muscles as time progresses. So what typically happens is you'll see uh, little boys with the disease, and they'll fall to the floor frequently, they'll walk on their toes, uh, they won't be able to keep up with their peers, they won't be able to go up steps like stairs as easily. And then when they're about ages 11, that's when I, this is when I lost my ability to walk, but age 11, uh, boys will lose their ability to walk, and then it'll attack the arms as well. So people will lose mobility in their arms. This happens uh, in your later teenage years, so you won't be able to raise your arms above your head, you won't be able to answer questions in class easily, uh, stuff like that. And then the reason why this disease is so serious is because it's fatal, right? This disease is a, a fatal disease. And the reason that is, is because your heart is a muscle and your diaphragm, which is the is a muscle too, and, and the diaphragm is responsible for allowing your lungs to inhale and exhale. And so uh, those, get, those get attacked as well, and, and that's what makes this disease uh, a fatal disease. And most patients pass away when they're uh, 25, so in their mid-20s. So very, very serious disease. Basically, the onset of it happens when you're five, and the lifespan is 25, and, it's, and all that time in between is just consumed by this disease. So very serious, very devastating. Basically a general overview of, of Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Duchenne. Where's the name Duchenne come from? Do you know? I believe it comes from a, a, a French doctor. I'm not totally sure, but I believe it's a, a French doctor who who discovered, um, discovered this disease. Hmm. So you're saying that it's not really discoverable in the early years, your first several years of life, doctors wouldn't necessarily know that you have this disease. It doesn't rear its ugly head until the age of five? Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say that. I would say that, you know, they could do uh, early screening now, you know, uh, during pregnancy, and they can discover it there. But I'm saying that for the most part, a lot of people don't come to know they have the disease until they start to see signs. So about when you're five or six, you know, you'll see that you're walking on your toes and, and that's abnormal and you'll see that they're falling, uh, the kids are falling more frequently and, and things like that. So that's what makes the disease uh, kind of go undetected. Um, and then, you know, testing starts happening and then they, you know, they do blood work or they'll uh, do stuff like that. I mean, that's what they did for me. And then they will uh, determine, okay, yeah, you, you have Duchenne muscular dystrophy. Were you able to walk like when you, like any other child at the age of one years old or one and a half? Is that when you developed your walking ability? I'm not sure when I started walking uh, exactly, but yeah, I was able to walk as a little kid. Mm -hmm. uh, but I always walked 
you know, on my toes. Um, and it just gets higher and higher on your toes as, as time goes on. And, and the reason that is is because your muscles are compensating, um, you know, for other muscles because you're still trying to walk. You're still trying to have that function. But you got to use other muscles so you're just getting more higher and higher on your toes. So it just becomes more and more obvious as you get older. And then eventually it's just your, your, your leg muscles are too weak and you, and you can't walk anymore. So when you're in kindergarten, first grade, etc., what is it? Do you start feeling like your body's changing? Are you even able to understand that at that age? What What was that like? Well, when I was a little kid, I would think you know, I would say that I was not able to keep up with my peers, and you know, not able to get up as fast as they could off the ground. I'd fall to the floor more frequently. And so I definitely knew that there was something wrong with me, but it didn't necessarily feel, um, I mean, I guess it would be hard to say it didn't feel normal because I wouldn't know what normal would be, right? Uh, but I, I guess it just, you, you kind of realize, yeah, there's there's something that's different about me, but you, I wasn't sure what it was yet. And that's that's when I when my parents told me, hey, you have this disease. They told me when I was six, they sat me down on a couch and they told me, hey, we have a gift to give you, but we have to tell you some bad news. Um, they sent me on a couch and they told me, hey, yeah, you have this disease called the shin muscular dystrophy. And they gave me a flip phone. I really wanted a flip phone. But, you know, you're you're a cool kid if you had a flip phone back then <laughs> right. uh, in like first grade or whatever. Um, and so that's how I, I came to, to learn that I had the disease. And when I learned that I had the shin, when they told me that, now it was like, okay, great. Now I have an explanation for why I have this disease. Because people would always come to me, hey, why do you walk on your toes? what's wrong with you why you know why do you uh, fall so much what, what's going on and I, I can never really tell them I just you know I don't know they but thought now, you were clumsy I was they thought you to say, were... hey, I have this disease called the shin yeah they thought you were like clumsy or lacked the ability to yeah hmm. so at six years old I'm just trying to understand that's got to be very hard to comprehend you're like okay I have a disease uh, uh, okay what does that mean like right what, what are you thinking when they tell you this yeah, exactly. Like, like you know, kind of like, you know, I didn't really understand all this stuff. I mean, I didn't even learn that this disease was fatal until I was 15, you know. I didn't think that I'd lose my mobility in my arms, uh, you know. So, I, to me, it was just like, whatever, carry on. Like, it's just a, it's just a you know, a thing. What, were, were I, I they, didn't really think too much about it. Were they doing things to treat you at that age? Or there's, is there anything that can be done? I mean, not really. I mean, what they did is they started, you know, a steroid called, uh, you know, I actually use both of them, but they'll either do deflazacort or prednisone. I use prednisone now. Uh, it's a steroid. It's supposed to stop inflammation um, and, you know, increase your energy and just stuff like that. So I, I took a steroid, and that's really about it. I mean, there's really not much we can do for this disease um, as of now. But I think that I'm very optimistic and looking forward to the the soon future of, of curing the disease, right? And so that so there's a lot of promise in the medical field right now with things that we could do to just end this disease altogether. But in terms of like treating the disease right now, you know, it's it's really like so what what most what most people get from their doctor when they what most parents get from their doctor when they tell them that their kid has the shin is hey, go home and love your child. You know, there's nothing that we can really do. Just spend as much time as you can with your child and make the best of your life. That, that's really it. It's, it's basically a death wish. Ooh. Like, and that's not an exa- that's not an exaggeration. You'll hear other parents 
with this disease, which honestly needs a lot more attention than it gets. And that's what one of my major missions is. So I, I thank you for allowing me to come on your, your podcast today and, and talk about this. But a lot of parents feels like, you know, it, it's a death wish when they, when they hear or a death sentence, I should say, not death wish, death sentence uh, when they, when they get the news. And so it's just a very terrible, uh, ter- terrible thing. Let me ask you, you, is this, where does it stem from? Is this gen- all genetics? Yeah, yeah, it is. Um, like this genetic, is an inherited but, uh, trait? But it's, what, what did you say? This is like inherited in some way? Yeah, so it's, it's a, uh, my mother is a carrier of it, and so she passes it down, but she doesn't have the disease herself. So that's kind of how it works, and it's it's X-linked, so it's on the X chromosome, and uh, you know, in reproductive science, you know, the mother will put up uh, two X chromosomes to the offspring, and the the male will put up uh, an X or a Y chromosome. So the male decides the the uh, sex of the offspring, and uh, my mom, you know, my older brother, right? He's in the military. He's completely healthy. You know, he's totally fine. He doesn't have the shin. It's because he got the the good, um, healthy X chromosome. You know, I'm trying to oversimplify this. And but for me, you know, I got the bad X chromosome. My other brother Max, he's younger than me. He got the bad X chromosome, so he had the shin as well. My other little brother Kai, right? He's 13 now. He got the bad bad X chromosome as well, so he has the shin. So that's that's how that works. So your parents, your mother has four sons, three of which have Duchenne. That's correct, yep. And and fortunately, my brother Max, he actually passed away when he was 14. Oh, so he's no longer with gosh. us. Um, and what's but he the, did have Duchenne. What and, and he passed away at, at a younger age. What was the reason that his was accelerated? So Max had other health complications uh, in addition to Duchenne. When he was born, he had a massive stroke. Um, and that led to, well, the reason he had the massive stroke is he had to have heart surgery, which is typically goes very, very well, very high success rate. Um, and it's just something to do with his heart. And what happened was, um, you know, it didn't go as planned and it, it led to a massive uh, stroke. And so he, uh, he was cognitively delayed, unable to see, unable to talk, confined to a bed, full-time nurse, um, feeding to you know all these I mean very very severely um, uh, disabled and you know he he had Duchenne as well so you know that makes it uh, sometimes harder for the body to, f- to fight off things like that um, and, and he, he got uh, parainfluenza 3 and he just really never recovered from that. You know, he was in the hospital. I mean, we, we were constantly in the hospital through his whole life, but at the, towards the end of his life, that's that's basically what happened. His his lung was paralyzed, and he just never really recovered from that, you know, and just yeah. a, a common sickness could just make it worse, right? It just <laughs> can put you over the edge. So that's terrible. Uh, really, it's it's because of Duchenne muscular dystrophy that he passed away because, uh, you know, if he didn't have that, he, he probably would have been able to fight it off better than he was. Oh, that's absolutely terrible. I'm so sorry to hear that. I mean, your mother, who's... I can't imagine what you guys have had to go through. This has like, become a normal thing for all of you. I'm wondering, are the are medical professionals able to tell at very early stages of the pregnancy that, hey, this baby is going to have Duchenne? 
Uh, they are now. They are now. They are able to uh, do screening and, and do that. And that's highly encouraged um, amongst uh, the Dishon community to to do that. So they're able to do that now. It's more of a newer thing. Um, from, from my knowledge, it's a newer thing. Um, but yes, they're totally able to do that. And I, I just think that's one of the great things that we should celebrate about science is that we're able to find problems right away. And, and, and the great thing about that is, is if we find problems right away, um, perhaps these new medicines or treatments that we, we develop can be used to help them sooner, right? It's a lot easier to treat a problem sooner uh, than it is later when the damage is done, right? So we can, we can preserve a lot of that muscle function, hopefully, with these new medicines um, by treating them sooner rather than later. I'm wondering what your mother would say with having lived this now and obviously every human life is is just as important as any other human life but you have these these abilities to test for different diseases and it sounds like you're able to test for Duchenne at an early stage of the pregnancy had your mother known known this at that time would she have gone through with the with the entire pregnancy oh absolutely 100 percent. my mom would uh totally go through with the pregnancy i mean this is something that i've even talk to her about she's um, very very strong on on life she very much supports it no matter what happens she you know we're, we're Christians so we believe that a child is a gift from God and so no my mom and my dad would absolutely continue to go on uh, with the pregnancy if they knew I had Duchenne or really any other disease wow that's I mean fast. put it this way put it this way I, I can even just basically prove this my brother Max there's so many times when doctors basically say, hey, you know, do you want to still try? Like, should we just let him go? My parents never really did that. They always fought till they really basically couldn't anymore, where it's basically impossible, right? They fought over and over again. And, um, yeah, no, they, they, they will fight for their children regardless of uh, if they have a disability or some type of illness. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's, it's, one, of those, it's one of those very peculiar situations and uh, you could cause a lot of stir and a lot of debate uh, from people all over that uh, all over that position. But that's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> that's beautiful. That's beautiful. What you said, um, you, you know, that your mother would do it time in and time again, no matter what. Uh, the the problem is, is that she, she, you bring these human beings into this world, and now you guys have such a, a a shorter lifespan. And you said that the reason for the shorter lifespan, please, at the beginning. One more time. What's what's the reason that it ultimately? Yeah. 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 The shorter lifespan is because it's a muscle wasting disease, and so your heart is a muscle, and your diaphragm is a muscle too. So those muscles also get attacked. And they're attacking them so much that it ultimately causes your body to shut down. Yeah. Basically, I mean, if your muscle, if your heart becomes too weak, right? You know, I mean, that's one of the most critical organs, right? You, you have to have a heart to live, right. um, you know, or same thing with your diaphragm, you know, you're struggling to breathe or whatever. Um, that, that's, a, that's a real problem. So, so yeah, so, it, and, and, uh, and eventually the heart just can't pump and it doesn't have the energy to keep the body, the blood flowing. So you're 19, you're 19 years old, Elijah. I mean, uh, I just actually I just turned 20. And oh, happy birthday! 20. Happy birthday! One more year, you'll yep. have a, you'll have a drink for your first time, hopefully. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, 
the, the, I try to put myself in your position, which uh, of course I can't, um, but you know that you have basically five years left to live, plus or minus, according to the medical community. So my question here is, how does that make you feel, and, and how do you look at life day in and day out? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. To be honest with you, it really doesn't concern me at all. Um, I So th- there's a lot to say on this. So when it comes to, you know, do I only have five years? I, I really don't. I think I have much longer. I, I truly believe that we will cure this disease within the next five to ten years, right? And there's some people with Duchenne that live uh, in their 30s, some even in their 40s, right? So there are some outliers. Okay. I feel very good about my health. I feel very good right now. I just had a doctor's appointment a couple of days ago. My heart checked out great. So I feel good about that uh, in that sense. Now, um, let's say I do die, right? So my views on death, I think that you're, you're getting at that. When it comes to dying, I, I really don't fear death all that much. Now, everybody fears death. Right there, there's there, that, that's that's true of humanity, and like I said, you know, I'm a Christian, and the Bible even talks about that in Ecclesiastes. It says that God has written eternity on our hearts, and I think that's just true. I mean, everybody doesn't want to die, and you know, if you go down the whole story of the Bible, we can get into the you know, is it is it literal, is it metaphor, whatever. Uh, you know, God created us to not to never die, right? The, the whole biblical story, you know, if you go down if you go down that narrative, is that sin introduced death into the world, that sin is death. And so God never intended us to die. So it makes sense to me why we never want to die. Like, that's a good reasoning there, if we, again, from a biblical perspective. But So when it comes to my, my views on death, you know, one, I, I think that regardless if we cure the disease or not, everybody's got to like figure out what do they believe about the world, right? I think there's some big questions that everybody can ask themselves. One would be, what are your thoughts towards God? What do you think happens to you after you die? How do you think the universe, you know, came into existence? How are we all to behave, right? So this is like the philosophical side of me, uh, but these are questions that I like to ponder a lot. And I've come to the conclusion that that God is real and that, it, and that uh, Jesus is the Son of God. That's what I believe. Um, and I like to go at it from an intellectual point of view. And so when I do that, right, and I can think about things logically, I, I have good reason to believe, like a lot of good reason to believe. Um, I can't see otherwise, you know, when I look at it in terms of like, uh, you know, a logical debate that uh, that God is real. And so one, I, I think that, uh, you know, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. And so I have really no... Uh, fear there, and I believe that God decides when you die. So you know, it's all up to God. So there's a higher, higher purpose there, a higher thing in control. That would be that would be God. You know, He's sovereign. And so you know, regardless if we cure the disease or whatever, uh, you're still going to die. So that's number one. Number two, I like to look at uh, ancient Stoic philosophy, right? So the ancient Stoics. So they they were really big on that economy of control, and I, and I wrote about this in my book. Uh, my book is Small If. It's one of the lessons. And the dichotomy of control, it basically says to focus on what you can control and disregard what you cannot control. And a majority of things are not in our control. So when I look at death, you know, I can I can eat healthy, I can exercise, I can take medicine, I can listen to my doctors, I can do all these things, but it's ultimately out of my control. I can influence, you know, my quality of life and, and health. I can't control ultimately. I mean, if I get in a car accident, I get in a car accident. If, um, 
something tragic happens, like I get shot, I get shot, you know, if my heart just stops beating, it stops beating, you know, these are things I cannot control. So I don't worry about it because it doesn't, you know, it doesn't add anything to my life. I just realize, you know, I just change my focus. If I start to really think about it, I just change my focus because I realize thinking about this literally does nothing. So, you know, if, if the thought of death or whatever comes to my mind, I just, okay, you know, let's go focus on something else. Let's go watch a basketball game, a football game, read a book or, or do something else because this is literally does nothing. It, it, it does nothing. It's just a waste of time and, and your time is very precious. So, um, so that's, that's that. And, and that's really my, my views on death. So I, I don't worry uh, that much about about dying, but I'm really just focused on trying to create as much impact I can here in all different types of ways um, while I'm here. I want to leave behind a, a legacy regardless of my age. Yeah, I'm 20, but I believe that I can accomplish a lot and impact the world in, in a great way and leaving the world better off than uh, what I inherited when I, when I was born. So you implement the stoicism into your life which 99% of people struggle to do and they sit around and they dwell on all the things that they can't control day in and day out and the moment you think about a thought that you realize you have zero control on, of the outcome you push that thought to the side and go and fill your mind fill your thoughts with something more productive more positive yeah that's correct that's correct yeah so what was your and that's beautiful and I think that's incredible advice for anybody in any walk of life. Um, so what do you believe your purpose here on this earth is? What's what's Elijah Stacy's purpose? Yeah, so I believe my purpose, you know, what I would resort to is what I call, you know, my why. Um, you know, my, my cause of life. And, it, and it's this. It's to minimize humans and propel human prosperity so that humanity can have a better quality of life. That's what I think it is, and, and and that means a lot, right? So when I talk about minimizing human suffering, that could come in the form of, you know, trying to cure this disease, advancing science forward. That can come in the form of writing this book that's going to help people transform their lives and overcome their suffering, right? I'm really big on using one's suffering to empower other people to overcome their suffering. Mm. I think that every person should do that, right? And everybody suffers in some type of way, right? Maybe it's, you know... Um, struggling with your parents separating. Now you can help somebody else who's going through that. Maybe it's financial problems. You can help someone overcome that and help them improve their financial situation and, and, and tell them what you did. You know, I think that we can all teach each other something. And I think that we should all tell them or vulner be vulnerable and, and tell them what we struggle with and, and, and help minimize that suffering. You know, maybe it's having to shin. I know I can talk to other people with to shin and help them get through life day to day. So there's a lot of ways there. And then on the prosperity side, you know, the, you know, uh, uh, propelling human prosperity, that would be things like helping people become, you know, better versions of themselves. So, you know, that's like my book again, or, or some of my thoughts or some of the things I want to put onto the world that would be like, um, you know, just bringing joy to people's lives, you know, just doing things that are good. And together, when you combine these two things, it makes a better quality of life for humanity. And that's what I'm about. I'm about all people. You know, I love all people. I love serving people. I think it's a great thing. I get great fulfillment from doing it. And so I want to help people, and I want to make just life better for everybody. So your message is take your bad situation and help somebody else that's going through that similar situation. And there in and of itself at least makes it a, a better a better existence. It almost happens yeah, for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 
And and I would add too, I would add that, you know, don't let your suffering go to waste. Mm. Like, don't let it go to waste. If you just suffer and then you never use it for anything good, you're wasting your suffering. So it's already a negative and now it's a double negative. You know, use your suffering and then at least use it for something good. You know, turn that evil into good. And and I think that if, if a lot of people t- took that up, I think that we'd have a, a, a much better world for sure. You mentioned earlier that medical advances that are coming up or that are in process now that you're very encouraged about. And you you even said it before, maybe in the next few years there's going to be some type of cure to this disease. So what are some of those medical advances that you're seeing? Yeah, so I'm talking about gene editing, like CRISPR, and I'm talking about uh, gene therapy. And so uh, I could explain those. So, so gene editing... You know, it's it's really amazing. Uh, gene editing allows us to edit the human DNA or any DNA, and we can correct the spelling errors, which basically cause uh, which which cause genetic genetic diseases. And so, when we can go in and edit it, you know, it's kind of like a a page of a book. You know, if you have a you know a word that's misspelled, let's say, you know, it said I I went to red. You know, that doesn't really make sense, but if I can change the R to a B in the word red, you know, now it says bed, and then if I reread that sentence, it now says I went to bed, and that would read properly. And so that's the same thing with uh, Duchenne. You know, Duchenne, we lack a protein called dystrophin, and it's because we're, we're, our DNA, you know, uh, has a spelling error in it. If we could fix that error, then we can write that protein correctly, and, it, you know, it could read it, and then and then the person would not have the shin anymore, basically, you know? And so that'd be gene editing. The other thing that is very promising too is, is gene therapy, which is where we can uh, insert the gene and then the uh, our cells can then read that and then produce the, the protein from there because now it has the information. So it, what I would compare that to is say that you have a, a, a page with a typo on it. We can just insert another page not necessarily correct that page with a typo, but just insert another page with the correct information on it, and the reader can still read it and know what the, the message uh, intended to be. Wow. So these two things are very, very promising, and gene therapy is fascinating to uh, fascinating to me, and as well as gene editing. And what, what's cool about gene editing, something cool to note about gene editing, is gene editing is going to help uh, more than just your shin. It's going to help basically all genetic diseases, I mean, even some forms of cancer, um, and they've done this, right? I mean, they've already used gene editing to correct uh, human heart cells with Duchenne. They took a, a human, so they took a, a patient with Duchenne, they took some of their uh, human, uh, they took some of their cells from their heart, and they edited it outside the body, and they corrected it. It worked. They've done it with dogs, they've done it with mice. This worked. We've corrected it. So it's a matter right now of, of improving the safety and effectiveness of it, right? The vectors, right? The delivery vehicle. If we can improve that, we can start to do this in human practice. And, and I mean, that's remarkable that we can cure diseases. Like not, not treat them, cure them. And so I, I think it, we're really entering the golden age of medicine. I think it's a very, very promising time. And, and it's for all people, which like I said, that's what I'm about. I'm about, I'm about people, I'm about the human. So I'm very encouraged by what I see. So do you foresee in your crystal ball, should this 
medication, should this cure come into existence in the coming years? Do you see yourself getting out of the wheelchair and living a normal, you know, walking around and back to things that you could have never imagined 10, 20 years ago? Well, when it comes to walking again and stuff like that, I do want to one day get into uh, sciences that would work with restoration, you know, trying to restore muscle loss. But CRISPR not wouldn't necessarily uh, restore that muscle function right away. Um, I think that we need additional, uh, you know, medical treatments to do that. But what CRISPR would do, or gene therapy, what it would do is it would stop the progression, right? And 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 that's what that means for me. Is that means more life? You know, it, it would mean that I could live longer. Um, and not just die from my heart deteriorating or my diaphragm deteriorating, right? So that uh, is, is a great thing that we can stop the progression. And for younger people that still have a lot of muscle function, uh, yeah, it would it would it would probably keep them where they're at. And and I think that's a great thing. So um, I am interested one day though after we we hear this to you know start to then do uh, develop research in areas that work on muscle uh, restoration right and i think that would be really cool to try and restore some some lost muscle function and that could that could help with all types of uh, illnesses i could see that with uh people that have strokes and they have some atrophy in some of their muscles that we could restore that and help them um incredible. that could work with well, yeah that'd be absolutely incredible i'm curious do you want to have any children of your own i do I do. I very serious about that. Uh, I, I'd love to have children of my own. And the good news is, um, they most likely. I mean, it wouldn't be a result of me. They most likely wouldn't have the shin uh, unless they're, you know, their mother. I don't uh, think I could pass it on. So I think that's that's the good news there. So you, as actually having the disease yourself, you're not a, a carrier to pass it on. I don't believe I don't believe so. And typically, you know, the mother is the one that, that passes it on. Mm. This is uh, absolutely fascinating stuff. Absolutely fascinating. And what if your child did have this in? What would uh, how would well, that make I, you feel? Yeah, go ahead. How would that make you feel knowing what you've had to live through for the past twenty years? Well, I think you know, if my child had the shin, it wouldn't change. Uh, wouldn't change my love for the, the child. Sure. I think that I would. I'd probably be best to help them, right? Because I would know what it's like to live with it. And I think that you know, by the time my child has a shin, I'm, I'm like I said, I'm very confident we would be able to cure it. So I think that we'd be able to help them, and certainly they would have a much better quality of life uh, than I did. And I'd make sure that that would happen. So sure. Uh, if my child had a shin, you know. There would have to, I think there would be a, a, a bigger reason behind that, and I would just do everything I could to help them have the best quality of life that they, they possibly could have. And their path wouldn't be as challenging as yours because of all these medical advancements and, of course, the support groups and your support, et cetera. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, so you have this mission. Before we finish this, this off, you have this mission, and uh, you've been doing things. You've written a book. Uh, talk a little bit about your book. Talk a little bit about the, your website, and, and I think you may even be involved in a podcast as well. Yeah. So, so 
when I was 15, I founded the nonprofit organization called Destroy to Shin. And we aim to advance gene editing and gene therapy into human practice for people with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. We want to complete the cure, right? We don't want to find the cure. We want to complete the cure because uh, we're very, very strong believers that gene editing and gene therapy will be the cure for this disease. And we're on the verge of doing it. Uh, we just need to complete it. We just need to get the job done. So that's the nonprofit. And that's our focus. And so what I did is when I was 16, I started writing a book, finished it when I was 17, and now I'm publishing it and, and um, this year. Um, and this book is a memoir about my life, and I talk about all different types of things, but at the end of each chapter, there's a life lesson that I've learned that I explain that I think that can help other people overcome their suffering. So this book, yeah, it explains to Shin in great detail, it explains my life. But I use my suffering, I use my stories of overcoming adversity, of being resilient to help other people. And then I use these lessons to help other people as well, to you know add value to their lives. So I think a lot of people are gonna get a lot of value out of this. And I really think it's gonna help them overcome their suffering. And I think this book is just gonna give people a lot of hope and inspiration. I mean, we've been in, uh, the last few years have been a, um, not so ideal time. I think everybody could agree on that. And I think that we could use some hope right now. We could use some resilience. And for people with Duchenne, you know, yeah, it's been more challenging, but like we're used to adversity. I mean, I live with adversity every day. You know, the moment I get out of my bed, it's a, it's a challenge. Like, like I got to go climb into my wheelchair, you know, um, to, you know, whatever it is, everything's a challenge. So doing that, you know, I'm used to challenges. I'm used to overcoming adversity. So that's what one of the major themes of my book is, is, you know, to keep going, to overcome adversity, to, to build your character up, to use the challenges, the tribulations in your life to improve your character. Sure. Uh, stuff What's like that. And so that's what the book is about. I'm very, very excited about it. And I think that it's going to be another thing I, another tool I use uh, or put out into the world to create positive impact and to minimize human suffering. What's the name of the book? The book is called, uh, is titled A Small If. A small if, and you and you titled it because of what? What was the reason for that name? Yeah, so it actually has a, a story behind it. So when I was uh, sixteen, I went to my doctor's, and he, he my back was start my spine was starting to curve more and more. The last few appointments, and my doctor during this appointment, he said that you know your spine now is at a point where we're gonna have to really push you to get surgery, you know, to correct the scoliosis, right? So they'd insert a metal rod in, in my back and stuff like that. And so, you know, I was like, no, I, I, I don't really want to get this. And I started fighting. And I look over to my mom, I see she's crying. My doctor's handing her tissue. My dad has his head down, that's what he does when he's sad. And I'm going back and forth with my doctor and we're just really not getting anywhere. He says, you know, I don't want you to be on stage doing a, a speech for your organization all slouched over. Like if we, we're going to do this. We got to do it now while we have time. You know the surgery, and you know I, I don't want the surgery. And he's getting real serious about it. He's detailing. Oh, we'll have this team of doctors. We'll do it during uh, this time of year. And he's getting really serious about it. You know he's getting all technical, so I know he's not joking around. I know he's 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 serious. And I asked him. I said, okay, let's just say I was somehow able to reverse the state of my spine. Okay, if I was able to do that. Could I avoid having to have the surgery? And he tells me, look, as your doctor, I don't want to give you any false hope. 
I've never seen anybody do this. It's basically impossible. But because I know you, I will give you a small if. That if you were able to do it, yeah, you could avoid having the surgery. It's not a small if. Okay, small if. And so that's all I needed. That sliver of hope, that little chance, that that small sight of light at the end of the tunnel, right? I could see it. And you know, I'm a, I'm a person that when people tell me I can't do something, I go and do it. Like I love when people say, "Oh, you can't do that. You're not capable of doing it." And I believe I can. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get it done. I, I use that. I use that. You know, that challenging energy, that negative energy as as motivation. That's I, I call it I call it rocket fuel in my book. So, anyways, I went to physical therapy, did intense physical therapy. I mean, they did some very intense stuff. You know, sometimes I'd bite down on my shirt uh, because it, it hurt so bad. But I wanted I wanted my back to be straight. I wanted to accomplish this more than I cared about the pain I was experiencing. I taught myself how to cook being in a wheelchair. You know, so I'd be driving the joystick on my chair with one hand, carrying the pan with the other hand. You know, stuff like that. Um, and started eating healthier. I started to visualize my spine being straight I, I took a picture of my x-ray hung it up on my bedroom wall I wake up every day and I'd see it and I'd you know look at that and know what mission was today it was to work out it was to eat healthy it was to focus on this and I visualized myself celebrating you know getting a big Oreo shake because I swore off eating sweets for the time in between uh, the next appointment and I did all these things you know and worked really really hard and just focused on it and then I had that doctor's appointment and I was fired up. After I got off the x-ray table, I said, you know, this is going to be shared. I go in to the room. I see the x-ray. I said, that's definitely shared. That's definitely shared. And I was fired up. My doctor comes in. He looks at the x-ray. He's measuring it. He's writing things down. And he says, yeah, you did it. Your, your spine is straighter. And just like that, wow. you know, I did a small lift. I did wow. what he didn't think was, was possible. And you know what I did later that day? I went and celebrated with an Oreo shake in my hand. Ah, so there you go. That's there that's, you go. That's the the story behind a small if. That's uh, beautiful. Well, you're a resilient warrior. Let me just put it put it that way. And your mindset and the way that you approach life, the way that you approach these challenges and adversities, regardless of what you're going through in life, somebody that's listening, you could you could employ all of Elijah's approaches. I mean, just spending the last forty minutes talking to you, I'm inspired. And uh, I'm sure we're going to inspire quite a few other people out there. Before we finish, last thing, uh, did you have a podcast as well? Yeah, so I run the Destroy to Shin podcast, and it's um, it's a part of the nonprofit Destroy to Shin. Basically what it is is it's a, it's a podcast to tell the stories of all those uh, affected by Deshin muscular dystrophy. So that's not limited to people with Deshin. That could be parents. That could be siblings. That could be a teacher. That could be a scientist. Anyone that has a relationship to somebody with Deshin, I want to interview them and get their perspective and their story and try and tell it. So that's, that's what the Destroy Deshin podcast is all about. We'll make sure we link you up in all the show notes, get your website and everything. Guys, if you want to check him out, learn more about Elijah, his mission, his story, click the links in the show notes. Hey, man, thanks so much for joining me today, and uh, we'll be watching you and wishing you all the best. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I, I really appreciate this opportunity and to be able to tell people my story and talk about the shin and just getting awareness out there about it. So thank you so much.